This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. And we welcome you to another edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album. I'm the author of the book, Tuesdays with Mari, upon which this podcast is inspired. My friend and producer of this program, Lisa Goich, is alongside as always. And we are both in the same part of the country, which rarely happens. We're both in Southern that? California. Yes. And boy, sunshine out here is just criminal. Criminal, <laughs> I say. It is, isn't it? Have weather this good in February? It's terrible looking at at sun and blue skies, and I don't see any of that in Michigan uh, until maybe May or April or June. I don't want to be like I don't want to be that complainer person, but my allergies are so bad right now because everything's blooming. Yeah, how terrible! I know. Well, it is. I woke up at four o'clock in the morning with an asthma attack. So um, I had to go to the doctor this morning. But well, move, to, I know move back stuff. to Michigan. Death. And there's, there's nothing blooming there. <laughs> Everything's still That's dead, true. covered with snow. No problem. I know. So I can't complain, but it is lovely to have no coat on in February. Well, I have come to Los Angeles to witness the Super Bowl because as a lifelong uh, Detroiter here, or at least career long Detroiter, uh, I've watched the Lions now play for close to 40 years, and they're never going to a Super Bowl. However, our former our former quarterback, who we traded to the Rams in one season after 12 years with the Lions, never going, never winning a playoff game, in one season he went to the Super Bowl with the Rams, and he's going to play on Sunday. And so I'm going to witness it, and if he wins, I'm going to go home and say. Well, that's as close as the Lions are coming to winning a Super Bowl, <laughs> and I've seen it in my lifetime. I can die happy now. <laughs> right. Actually, people, there are so many Detroit fans that are really pulling for the Rams right now because of Matt Stafford. Yeah. They're, 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 they're totally on it as if he is theirs, and this is our team at the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, if he should win or, or win the MVP award and get hoisted up on the shoulders of his teammates and they take one of those iconic pictures – we're going to take that and we're just going to uh, Photoshop the uniform <laughs> and make everybody wearing, uh, you know, Honolulu blue uniforms of the Lions. And then we'll frame the photo and say the day that the Lions won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. Be as close as we come. I like well, seeing it, all the support, though. It's really nice. Yeah. It dovetails a little bit into today's subject, which it talks about fame and attention. Uh you know, it's, it's, it's funny, we, we find ourselves, as we're broadcasting here, at, at the apex of some very interesting consequences of fame. Uh, the Joe Rogan controversy is spiraling as we record this. And here's a guy who uh, was a wrestler, you know, in the, or the you know, mixed martial arts fighter, or fighter of some kind, uh, and achieved some notoriety in that. 
Uh, but then began a podcast back when podcasting was new and developed a following. Uh, he wasn't exactly the kind of guy you would think would be a podcaster. Or uh, And at the beginning, he talked to a lot of other wrestlers and things like that. But eventually, he's talked to the whole world, yeah. politicians, actors, musicians, you name it. And, uh, and now has a following of about 11 million people who listen to his podcast. And just by contrast, I don't think there's a single network TV show that gets 11 million people to watch it on a given broadcast. Regularly, right. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean a one show. Every week, right. Yeah. yeah, doesn't get it. In the old days, you, you used to get it, but you don't get TV shows that get 11 million people to watch anymore. If you took all the news, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox News, MSNBC and CNN on a given night and added them up, I don't think they would be 11 million people. <laughs> so that's huge. And you would say, well, he's as famous kind of as they come, right? And he's, he's big time fame. And now he's embroiled in the controversy because of some shows that he did and some things that he said in, on previous shows. And now that fame is the very thing that he's sort of being attacked with. You're too big to, to ha allow these kinds of mistakes. And now he's a target. I don't know what the result will be, whether he'll be taken off of his platform. If so, he'll just find another one. But, uh, you know, this it, it speaks to what fame has become. Fame brings consequences in this country. Uh, in many cases, very difficult and dire consequences. There are a lot of people who were famous and now have lost their jobs and have been disgraced. Uh, for violations that, quite frankly, everyday people have done all the time mm -hmm. and no, never get in trouble for it. But somebody who's famous, who's on television uh, or on big podcasts or something, says the same sentence that someone out in society said that nobody's paying attention to, and that person loses their career. So we build people up to pop their bubble, to bring them down. It's Always. kind of a, a sport here in America. And as someone who has kind of walked the line between both sides of the celebrity or fame uh, equation, I can tell you that it's a very complicated dynamic. You know, when I say walk the line on both sides, when I began as a writer and as a journalist, I was strictly on the side of observing fame. I began as a sports writer, many of you know, and uh, I um, interviewed, you know, well-known athletes. Uh, nobody knew who I was at the beginning, and it didn't matter who I was. And I was always the lesser-known person or the unknown person speaking to the famous person. And I got to observe what that life was like as an outsider. I would pull up in a cheap rental car and and go talk to an athlete who had a Maserati in the parking lot and, and, you know, a million people waiting for him on the other side of the door, whatever, and then write about that. And I was very close to it for many years. Then uh, as, as, as fate would have it, uh, I did some things and I began to broadcast on television and I wrote some books and things like that that became well known. And uh, I became someone who was interviewed, someone who was talked to, someone who was asked for autographs, someone who was recognized when he was out. And, you know, certainly not on the level of, uh, of, of, of a major athlete, but certainly enough that you would notice the difference 
in, in my life versus someone who was working in an anonymous field. And for the most part, knock wood, I'm knocking. Mm-hmm. This isn't really wood, but too. whatever it is, it's close <laughs> enough. I haven't had major, terrible scandals. I've had been nicked a few times by things. And uh, I don't think anybody could be in this world for 30, 40 years doing it isn't going to. And I've had certainly my share of critics, uh, as anyone in the public light does. But I've had a chance to observe fame, celebrity. And I can tell you that I'm, I'm heartbroken when I see these surveys that show that when they ask young people today in America what they most want mm-hmm. when they get older, and it's not money, and it's not accomplishment. They want fame. They want to be known. They yeah. want to have followers. They want to be leaders in social influence, but not leaders, not leaders like a lead because they look at the great work that I'm doing and the people will follow me because I'm working on They just want to be known, just yeah. be known. They want people to know their name. Yeah, that they they don't want to. The, they're not looking at the other side of that coin. <laughs> you see it all the time in your work. Yeah, too. yeah. Away from yeah. the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Lisa works with the Grammy Awards and and sees famous musicians and has known famous musicians her whole life and has and has worked with them in earlier incarnations of her life and all. And it's, it's we we've, we've both seen this. Now, let me step back and 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 say that Maury had an interesting sort of intersection with fame because Maury was certainly not someone who was destined to become famous. He was a sociology professor at Brandeis University. Number one, I don't think most people could find Brandeis University on a map. Number two, (laughs) I don't think most people could define sociology if you asked them what is is it the study of, except someone who majored in sociology. Right. (laughs) Uh, So he was not on a track to become well-known. No. But he did. He did. How did it happen? Well, I'll share with you a little of, uh, it was one of the first things that I asked Maury about in the first weeks where we started visiting with one another as he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease. And I, of course, had only been reconnected with him because of fame's intersection with Maury's life mm-hmm. when the Nightline program, which was hosted by Ted Koppel, got wind of this unusual professor who was dying and was talking to people about what it was like. Here is Maury beginning the story. I didn't tell you how the Nightline became aware of me. The executive producer of Nightline, Richard Harris, is a Boston boy. He's now watching. He gets the Globe Uh, every day. So he saw the article, and he brought it to Ted. Okay, so that's how they called me. The article that he's referring to was a piece that the Boston Globe wrote about Maury, which was his first kind of dip into fame. They they Mm -hmm. came out and and, and wrote this very nice feature piece about him, about this professor teaching his final course. Now you see how Richard Harris, who's a friend of ours and listens to this podcast, so hello, Richard, yeah, and he's been uh, a guest on our show. Been a guest on our show. Mm-hmm. He brought the story to Ted Koppel, and they called. So here's the story as it continues in Maury's words. 
nylon got in touch with me. And it was a funny thing. They said, are you interested? I said, Monday. Are you interested? Yes. Tuesday. It's set. You want to do it? I said, yes. I said, when do you want to come? Tomorrow. Show up on Wednesday. You spend a day and a half here. Then a couple comes on Thursday afternoon. Now, what's interesting about that is how fast Maury was going from unknown yeah. to known. He was marveling at it in hindsight. Are you interested? Yes. We'll come up tomorrow. Day and a half prep. Here comes the star of the show. They do an interview. This is the world that we live in here now. I mean, this was 1995. This happens now all the time where yeah. you, don't even, you don't even need a crew from Nightline to come. You can make a video. You can film yourself or your child or some circumstance that happened. And next thing you know, the whole world knows who you are. And everybody is commenting on you. And you have this instant injection of fame. Maury didn't do it through a TikTok video. He didn't go that fast. He still had, they still had to tape the program. So he had a chance to sort of see how it was going. And he, you know, at this point, Maury is 77, 78, right in that range. And he's seen it all. Nothing is really going to change him or impress him. He is dying after all from a terminal illness. And he notices that some of the crew, when Ted Koppel arrives, are, are sort of stirring. Standing outside the door were two of the crew. One says, they've been a day, around a day and a half. They saw me functioning. One says the other, oh, I'm so worried about what Ted is going to do to Maury. Tough guy. Yeah. The other guy says, I'm so worried about Maury's going to do to Ted. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, obviously, they thought it was a fair fight. Uh, Ted Koppel comes in. Now, remember, Ted Koppel at this point is one of the most famous interviewers in America. And here he is in Maury's house. How Can fast, you imagine? How fast this whole thing comes. <laughs> Again, 78 years, not a lick of publicity. No. Nobody's writing about him as a professor at Brandeis or for, you know, his work in the mental hospitals. I think I had asked him, had you ever been interviewed before, ever, before you got sick? And I think he said once on some little local program or something. Yeah, like, that. like a paper now or something. Sudden, yeah. And all of a sudden, here's <laughs> Ted Koppel. And not only like, oh, you're walking past the camera and you happen to be on it. Hi, mom. You are the subject. You are the yeah. subject of one of the most popular programs on television. We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Maury, to his credit, he's not walking into this fame thing so fast. He's still deciding if he's going to do it or not, unbeknownst to Ted Koppel and the crew. So he had a little test in mind. Here he talks about that. Sits down and I said, okay, Ted, maybe we ought to begin by you telling me something from your heart. He looks at me. He's pretty cool. He said, okay. Starts to tell me about his children and how much they mean them and so on. I said, pretty good. He liked it. Then he said, have you ever watched my program? I said, about twice. He said, what? Twice? I said, yeah. I said, yeah. I've only I watched Oprah once. Yeah. <laughs> kind of looked at me. He said, what do you think? I said, I thought you were a narcissist. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, so the, so uh, he got off to <laughs> a strong start. Bless his uh, heart. I yeah, wish I could he, say that to people. I can never yeah. say those things out loud. <laughs> well, I think somehow thinking that, you know, you're not going to be alive for all that much longer right. emboldens you in some cases. Yeah. And Maury, Maury was pretty pretty honest anyhow he probably would have said that even if it was perfectly healthy yeah uh but he said i thought you were a narcissist and ted koppel kind of dismissed it said well my wife uh, won't let me be a narcissist or i'm too ugly to be a narcissist or something like that. uh but then uh, you know i think ted might have thought well we're done now feeling each other out that was the first round of jabs and now we're gonna get into it maury wasn't done yet oh boy so then i said Ted, you're not off the hook yet. He said, yeah. I said, tell me something about your spiritual life. He looked at me and said, I don't talk about such personal things to somebody I've only known for 10 minutes. I said, Ted, I don't have a lot of time to waste. <laughs> so he liked that. So that's how Maury kind of entered fame, which I think is a smarter way to do it. He he waded into the water, toes first, then feet first, then ankles first, trying to make sure, is this too cold? Is this going to be too shocking? Can I trust what I'm about to do here? I think too many people in our country, when it comes to the opportunity to have some fame, 
they are so quick to jump on it, so quick to say, oh, that's what I want. That's what I want. Remember, we just said this is what everybody, young yeah. people, especially in the country, want. they don't think about the consequences. They don't poke like Maury poked Ted. Yeah. They don't prod a little bit and say, mm, do I really want to do this or not? Is this a smart thing to do or not? Should I, should I make this video? Should I press send on this mm, video? Mm -hmm. Should I agree to be in my friend's TikTok? Should I do this Instagram? Everybody just does it. Look at how many people in this country get in trouble on a daily basis for things that they tweet. Ah. Now, there is nothing in this world that is more controllable to the perpetrator of the event than a tweet. Right. Then you what can't comes control. out of your fingers, right? right? Yeah. You can't control if you burp. You can't control if you sneeze. <laughs> you can't control sometimes stumbling on words when they come out of your mouth. You can't control tripping. You can't control slipping on a banana peel. You can't control, you know, uh, not hitting the brakes fast enough. There are all kinds of things in life that will lead to embarrassing situations, whatever, that they're just kind of out of your control. Sending a tweet is 100% in your control. That is true. Nobody, nobody has ever been forced by circumstance to send a tweet. You could say to somebody, you know, why were you driving so fast? You know, with that, well, well I, I was, I was in a hurry. I was late for work. I had to do it. You know, okay. Uh, why, why, why did you uh, uh, cough like that on the microphone? Well, I couldn't help it. I have a cold, and I. Uh, there's all kinds of things that you can't control. A tweet. Name me ever in the history of of, of the world where someone said, I did not want to send that tweet. I did not want to press the button on that tweet. But there was a person behind me with a gun to my head. And he said, if you don't press that tweet now, I'm going to kill you and every member of your family. <laughs> that only happens on like TV shows on CSI. Right. Even that would be a far-fetched plot. Yeah. <laughs> and yet how many people get in trouble every day and have to issue apologies or end up losing their careers for tweets? Right. And it's sometimes okay. stuff you don't even know. Like, I don't think, let's say, and, and I'm sure you're going to head back into what Joe Rogan said or whatever, but um, sometimes people can say something so innocently, they don't mean it, or they don't even realize that what they're saying is bad. And that also can take a terrible turn and ruin somebody when it's right. unintentional. But it only takes a turn to ruin somebody, generally, generally, if it becomes famous. If it gets out into the ozone, it gets right. out into the crowd. So the point I'm making about these tweets is that nobody is forcing people to tweet, and yet they do it. Why? Mm. Because there is a temptation. Yeah. That same kernel of desire that people have to be known. You will know my name. I want people to know my name. You see athletes these days, to, it didn't start now. It's been going around for 20 years, but it didn't used to be 50 or 60 years ago. This would have been considered just uh, improper. Yeah. When an athlete scores a touchdown, 
let's say it's a football game or a basket, they bang on their own chest. They point <laughs> to themselves. <laughs> they scream things like, my house. Yeah. It is, you will know my name. You, the world needs to know who I am. Well, it's at that same thing that is at the backbone of this tweeting that gets people in, in trouble. It's a desire to have a large number of people. When I say large, it might only be 100 people that you tweet out to, or it might be a million people that you tweet out to. But they, you want them to know what yeah. you think. That is the same sort of uh, uh, relative of people saying, I want to perform in front of a lot of people. I want to be known by a lot of people. I, I, I want to be on camera. This desire to be known gets people in so much trouble. Yeah. Maury did not do that. This example I gave you, he, he, he walked in very slowly. If people did that before they sent out these tweets, they probably wouldn't get in as much trouble. If they ask themselves, do I really want to? Can I trust this audience? Is this something that I want to do? Let me test. Let me check out this audience a little bit more. Let's poke and prod a little bit like he poked and prodded. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but no, people are in a hurry to be well known. Yep. And it gets us in a lot of trouble. And people do a lot of silly things as a result of wanting to be well known. People should really rather want to have money instead of fame. Because I know that's that's always the question, right? Would you rather be have money or would you rather be famous? You know, like you'd have to choose between the two. It's way better to have money, no notoriety, to so to speak, and then do whatever you want in your life and not have to worry about people like watching your every move, you know? Mm, Ugh, yeah. I can't, I don't. Well, I think as we as we go forward, people should be very, very wary of fame. Uh, and when I say fame, I don't want people to think like, well, I don't, this is really doesn't pertain to me because I'm not going to be an actor. Uh, I'm not going to be a singer. I'm not talking about that fame anymore. That's fame from the 1960s. Right. In the 1960s, you were famous if you were a famous actor or a famous singer or a famous politician. Uh, that was about it. You know, there were some minor categories, but that was pretty much how you became well-known. Athlete, musician, entertainer, actor, politician. Yeah, you had very, to do very few other categories. Yeah, you had to do something that had you in front of the public eye, right? Which is now not the case. You can right. just be somebody in your kitchen that makes crazy food in the middle That's of right. the country somewhere and suddenly you have 5 million followers. That's right. You put yourself the world is a stage the world is always just 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 a phone away, just a digital yeah. connection away. The stage is always potentially there for you to be seen on. And so when I talk about fame now, I'm not talking about that old, uh, yeah, well, I worked my whole life to try to be a well-known singer or work my whole life. I got to get a break to be an actor, to be in a movie before I'm famous. No, no. You can become famous overnight. You can become famous in five minutes. There was a, uh, a, a tea server in Pakistan who somehow got his picture taken when someone was just doing a photographic essay, I guess, on Pakistan. And this guy was very handsome. And within a week, he had a modeling contract. 
my gosh. With some agency in <laughs> Europe. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> so that's how fast your life can change. And this is a lesson now that we need to teach our children as well as ourselves. Mm -hmm. Fame should, for its own sake, should not be pursued. It is not worth it. It is a very dangerous ring of fire that you put yourself in. And more often than not, you get burned. Now, Maury understood when he went on the Nightline program what he was doing and why he wanted to do it. And I had actually said to him, um, I'm worried in between shows. I'm worried that they're exploiting you, Maury. You know, I don't want them to exploit you because I loved Maury. And I, I thought, you know, well, are they just showing you because you're dying and, you know, you're getting worse and worse and here, let's come back and, and see how bad he is now. You know, I was concerned about that. But Maury uh, had already thought about that. And this is what he told me. It has to be mutual exploitation. Right. Right. He gives me the chance to get a message. Right. He gets a program that's right. very appealing. Right. It's just a matter of showing this guy on his deathbed or something. Forget right. it. So Maury knew he wasn't going to be part of a circus act. He wanted to get his message about love, mm -hmm. about meaning, about caring for one another, uh, out to people through this medium because he thought it was important. And he knew that, well, maybe they're using me, but I'm using them too. In that case, a worldwide forum to spread the message about caring, to spread the message about a problem, uh, perhaps with starvation, with water for children, uh, a situation that's dangerous to human beings, that then the, the, the web and the, the internet can be a, a wonderful thing because it's a conduit, a message. And in Maury's case, they didn't have the web, but they had television, which was well watched. And he used it to spread messages to people that moved them in ways that was remarkable. And he would talk about how people would come up to him and say, I, I saw you. Uh, there was there was one woman. Uh, well, listen to him explain it here. She just took it to an, an incredible degree. She came over with Charlie, and she was like enraptured with me. She came and kissed me. She said, I am so thrilled that I have met you. She said, when I saw you on the screen, I moved closer and closer and closer to the TV set. And I wanted to pluck you out. Set and kiss you. She wasn't being melodramatic. She meant it. And she kissed me in such a tender way, as if to say, You melted my heart. That's what Maury wanted to do. He wanted to melt hearts. He wanted to reach people, send a message, uh, and get it across. So he used the world of fame for that end, not to become famous. And I guess that's the most positive way that you can do it. I certainly have used the mediums of television and, and, and radio and internet to help us with raise money for our orphanage in Haiti for the kids that we have there. And, and it's been wonderful. I, there's been some people who've done some great reports uh, from there and it brought a lot of attention to, to the, uh, to the place and to the, 
efforts that we're making, but we're not trying to get the kids famous. You know, there's a big difference. And I was like, hey, let's turn them into TikTok stars. And uh, I, I just think that as we get older and, and advance more and more in this, in this century, how people handle fame, how people handle the lure of becoming quickly famous or quickly well-known or talked about or buzzed about or trending, trending, a word that we never had in this vocabulary yeah, before huh? 20 years ago, trending, this desire to be, as these young people answered in that survey, to be well-known above all else is going to be a lesson that we need to teach our kids we need to teach ourselves and we need to keep in a proper perspective. It will not be easy because the temptation will be there all the time. Andy Warhol's famous prediction of in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes. He may have overshot it. Yeah. <laughs> it might be everyone will be famous for five minutes. And then the fame goes away and, and, uh, or it bites you in the rear end like you become famous for the wrong reasons and then you can't get away from it. And, and, and you're like, leave me alone, leave me alone. Why does everybody want to talk about me? And then you rue the day that you sought out that kind of attention. So something to think about. A lot of good words from Maury and the way that he approached it in his little modicum of fame. And uh, hopefully you keep that minded if uh, the situation ever approaches you. We hope you enjoyed our program today. We do this every week on Tuesdays. If you like what you heard, you can check out our website, wetuesdaypeople.com. It's got information about the podcast and previous topics. We are happy to announce that we surpassed 1 million downloads. How about them ago. apples? Yep, we're yeah. at like 1,045,000 as of this recording. Huh? One one million of anything is pretty. It's astounding. a lot. It's a lot. Even one million snowflakes is probably <laughs> enough to make a snowman. So uh, we thank you so very much for listening to us and for downloading this program and and for sharing these messages. Uh, it means the world to me, and I know it means a great deal to Lisa. And uh, Heck we're yeah. happy to bring this to you. So thank you again, and uh, we look forward to our chance to speak with you again. On behalf of Lisa Goich, I'm Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People. <laughs>